Hey, what's going on? This is the Educated Guest Podcast. I'm Justin, your host. This is a project founded for all the people who wish they went to art school. What that means is that you have genuine interests. You might have grown up doing mood boards. You might have grown up loving art museums, but you never really understood what a career could look like for you. So we're here to connect the dots. We're here to open the door. We're here to bust down the door. Whatever it takes to make sure that you have access you have autonomy for your future and you can get the critique you need. So this week we have a special, special episode, a hometown episode, if you will. We have Bernard McCoy, founder of Modern Atlanta and Atlanta Design Festival. It's been alive and well for over a decade. And Bernard and I have a great conversation about the future of building a design economy in a city and exactly what that means. So every year we come together we show off our projects, we do architecture tours, we have a design expo, but what does it really mean to have the conversation in the right spaces and get the next generation in the door? Tune in. I do a lot of research. It's really, before it was more of an aesthetic, things that are beautiful, chairs, objects, and that's sort of evolved to today. I'm more focused on things that are changing the world. So anything from Madison to recently, uh, a few years ago, I nominated Better Shelter, which was a um, flat pack system for displaced families. And think about what's going on in Syria. Mm. It actually won design, design of the year. It won the whole category. Mm. So um, that's a big shift from what I've, in the past, what I had nominated was more, again, it's around objects. Um, so my focus now really is all inclusive. It's not just narrow to just uh, things in the home. It's really looking at things that are, that are, um, that, change, that, that can change lives. In terms of what I'm reading, I tend to, to read things that are, I don't read a lot of fiction. I pretty much read things around business, mainly for ideas, but I also do a lot of, um, reading, in terms of uh, the design culture. My emphasis is mainly on architecture. So currently I'm reading, I just picked up a a book from um, uh, the Serpentine Gallery here in London. And each year they do a world-class pavilion with different different, uh, luminaries and design to create. And this year, uh, Serpentine Gallery Pavilion is done by a Mexican designer named Frida Escobedo. So I'm just learning about her work. It's quite fascinating. And I, th- I think if you would ask me or if I would ask any of my friends, your job is kind of like a dream job, right? Like people admire your taste. <laughs> you get to curate an entire, you've curated and grown yeah. an entire brand based on kind of your taste of what you think is good is kind of, I imagine how it started out and it evolved into more structure. So the question here, and I wanted to kind of lead into your background, your story, your identity yeah. as, you know, just a person. What is your output or how do you think about your contribution, your output, your value that you're bringing to the table when your passion is in this research and your passion is in curation and your passions in taste? I'm a big picture thinker. So I think like 10 years down the road, what's, what's going to be important. So when I'm, curating, editing, I'm really 
focus on new looks, every aspect of creativity. Mm. For me, what that does, it gives me a chance to change the conversation, say, in Atlanta. I want to show you things that perhaps you hadn't seen before, but also it'll make you look a little bit deeper um, in terms of what you do if you're a creative person on the world-class scene. So what that means is that if, if I'm, for example, editing a chapter in the book, say, and it's on design schools, uh, you would think, okay, we're, you know, we're in Atlanta. Uh, there's universities that teach uh, different creative disciplines, from architecture to photography to creative writing, you name it. And you would tend to think that maybe Ma would focus on uh, what's local. But what, what I do instead is I go look around the world and see what design schools are doing. And I, I learned a lot from that. Um, for example, um, I've always loved Dutch design. And the top school in Holland um, is the Design Academy Eindhoven. Mm. Um, in fact, it's probably the top, one of the top design schools in the world uh, because of their curriculum and their faculty. Um, and I've, um, I've really grown to respect their students' work. They have an amazing graduate show that's, that's really on par uh, to um, what professors are doing in terms of I, I, ideas and concepts. So if you just oppose that to what, what Atlanta is, by me showcasing these other looks, different schools around the world, it's actually showing that young student say in Atlanta that there are other options. And if you were maybe not sure up on the ropes about which school to choose, maybe this, this particular feature may be of interest to you to look a little bit deeper in terms of your aesthetic as a designer, what, you, what you're looking for. So if we weren't doing these sorts of things, say with the book, there's a chance students wouldn't really know what their options are, especially in design, because I kind of feel that, that a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, well, there's, there's two different ways to approach design that I see in the U S you say you're in, if you're an industrial designer, you, you go to Georgia tech, mm -hmm. chances are you will probably graduate looking for a job. Whereas in Europe, it's the complete opposite. You do a thesis, you do a concept that's showing at a graduation show. It's in front of some of the biggest publications in the world, looking at trends. And more than likely what you would do is you would start your studio right out of school. Mm. So that's the sort of thing. That's kind of how I look at what I do. I've got a ton of questions on that. Like everything I love, even in our call about a couple of weeks ago, I love hearing your perspective because it sparks so many questions. Uh, I think that's valuable. Yeah. So the first question is the, is the one I know that if you're thinking like me, you probably hate the most is how does any of this make any money when you're first telling people about it? How do you sustain a lifestyle? You know, all the things we're told when we grow up, when we tell people what we love and we tell people what we want to do, that voice in our head, whether it's a parent, whether it's an aunt, uncle, whatever, particularly in, in communities of color. Now, how does this, how does this shit going to make money? Yeah. You have to be patient in terms of finding your language. You have to have some talent. Very important. You may not, it may not be cultured. 
But if you have talent, then that's a that gets you off to a, to a good footing. You already have, you have, and you have to be a an independent thinker. I think what's also important is that you really have to understand that design is a business. It's a business like anything else, and any business it it has certain pillars: uh, marketing, uh, R and D. It doesn't matter, you know, if you're limited funds, you still have to put in the work to uh, build up your your concepts, that it's something that a particular, um, some, you know, someone would find attractive and desirable to want to know more. Uh, a good example of that is uh, Concept Kitchen, uh, which we've showcased in Atlanta, a German company called Naber. They are known for, uh, they have several patents, uh, international patents in, um, things like airflow systems. Think about like uh, in the kitchen, the exhaust fans. They they own a lot of patents that big some of the big manufacturers like Bosch and others use their patents. One particular season, they decided to do a uh, this idea of a kitchen. They never done a kitchen before. Complete kitchen line. The short story is that they they discovered a student designer, uh, Killian Schindler who was finishing up his school and had did a thesis on this idea of the concept kitchen. They loved it and they uh, approached him. He was commissioned to work with neighbor directly to develop this idea into a product line. Out of that, concept kitchen was launched through Naber. And we discovered that, uh, I think 2014, it took two, it took two years to uh, convince them to consider showcasing it in, in the U.S., uh, so our event was the first launch for the Concept Kitchen in the U.S. But that started from a student, mm. you know. So once you, so once you enter that world where you have a big manufacturer looking at you and want to commission you mm-hmm. um, to do a project, now you're talking about there's several ways to look at this. How it will benefit a young designer. First of all, the ex- the exposure is an, is amazing. Every big publication is looking at you. You get a chance to exhibit your work at the big trade fairs because in, in, in the Concept Kitchen's case, it's traveled to China several times, uh, which is probably one of the, the biggest emerging market. It's done all of the big trade fairs in Europe, including the, the Salone de Mobile in Milan, which is largest of, of, of them all. It attracts over 500,000 people a year, mm. visitors. Uh, so the exposure. And also you have other manufacturers looking at you to maybe use your talent to do projects for them. So that's on the surface. So there's a lot of um, uh, benefit to um, uh, that kind of exposure, you know. And there's, there's, there's many other stories how young designers can make that leap, but it, it all begins with an investment and really um, uh, wanting to up your game. And I think ways to do that would be to travel, go to the design fairs, see what your contemporaries are doing, uh, see where maybe you're, you're lacking because you just haven't been exposed. And that starts to right away, that alone will start to give you a competitive advantage over your colleagues. Because mm. you're investing the time to go to your, to go to the trade fairs, to learn that schedule of events, see what things would be of interest to you, to see what manufacturers are, are commissioning for a trade, a, a design fair, uh, where young talent is getting commissions to do con- con- conceptual installations and such. 
So now you start to be, be to become a player, you know. So there's a there's a lot of ways ways to approach how to make the money, but you also have to have, you also have to remember that if you are if you are a designer, and you have limited funds, your probably your best route is to uh, do things that are con- that, that are conceptual that you can either showcase at a trade a trade fair in hopes that a manufacturer will, will pick you up and have you and commission you to do work. Now the other side of that equation is say you are picked up to do a a a, a commission for a manufacturer. Uh, there's a good chance that more than likely you will be getting paid through maybe there's a there's a a, a, a um, some type of fee attached where you you get some 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 money right away because of the the, the design fees associated. But your your loan money is going to come from the royalties, and that's where knowing the business is really going to benefit you because there's there's contracts involved. You have to understand what the percentages are, and um, because your your products has been has been manufactured and produced doesn't mean that it's going to sell. So the mm-hmm. royalties that equation also equates to uh, it be, being a success in the marketplace. Hmm. And that's when you really start to make the money. So when I, when I started the podcast, right, there's two primary audience groups that I'm trying to target and it's, it's morphing, it's narrowing down, I'm getting feedback and it's starting to get even more focused. Those two groups are really the student who's in grad school, immersed in it, and they're building their skill set, but they want to make sure that when they take that leap, they have full information, like you just said, about just getting some of that information about the business, getting some of that information about what taste should be, how to gather new inspiration. Then there's that other contingent. Um, I consider myself, this is my background at least, is kind of the self-taught creative. You may have started in a different field outside of design. And then as you've grown up, you were hitting 17, 18 years old. And I'm 25 now. So I've kind of hit that phase and gone through it of seeing that, man, okay, I think design is something I'm interested in. And in particular, I don't enjoy always pigeonholing something to one particular group, but I'm a black guy. And at the same time, I'm like, there is something there for people of color who see industrial design, architecture, and love the work. But when they get in the classroom or they get in the industry, it's one of those, you stick out like a sore thumb things again. And I guess the question in this is really, what should the mindset be for that person who's 16, 17, looked up to or found out about architecture through the Virgil Abloh's of the world, the Kanye West of the world? They love sneakers, all this stuff. But when they try to go back to design school, they see nobody that looks like them and you're not learning about anything you grew up liking. I'm, of the, I'm of the belief of you know, kind of having the discipline, the grit to get through that and still hold on to your voice. So how would you recommend that other people hold on to their voice? Well, I think what distinguished you is having your own language. It's very important. If, if your thing is to wear uh, sneakers, um, you know, jeans, plain T-shirt, that's your vibe, that's, that's your flavor, but you're, you're, um, you're very talented, that's part of your language. You don't give it up. So that, that makes you stand out because of your uniqueness. Mm. 
and that has to match your work. So I think if you're confident, you know, like for me, when I started the business, uh, I don't wear suits when I go to, when I go meet some of the biggest brands. There are many is a good example. I could be in a, I could be in short pants, whatever. <laughs> uh, it's, it's more about the body of work. What I, what I have done is I've amassed, uh, 13, 14 years of strong work that keeps evolving. And that's what I'm about. So, uh, when many wants to meet with me, it's very, it's very casual and it's very, it's very, um, it's very, uh, open. It's not prejudged. Uh, I'm who I am. Uh, my work speaks for itself. That's important to me, uh, not to be superficial. It's important to me that the work stands out. I'm in the background, uh, but it's all about the body of work that, that we produce. So you really have to know who you are. And again, the, the one word that comes out again is the talent has to be there. You know, if you're, if you're not talented, that's a huge uh, detriment from going further. And I think uh, what I see a lot, in, especially around schools in, in the States, is this lack of exposure. It's really, uh, I think it's hurting um, a lot of um, young designers that are in school. They're just not exposed to say what a young designer, first year designer, they get Eindhoven Academy would be exposed to. Mm. So the, um, the challenge, really they aren't challenged, you know, in the States as much because of that lack of exposure. Imagine, imagine, uh, you know, you, uh, going to pack up your bags. Say, I want to go to school in Holland. Um, you know, no one, you get to the school and you see this, this archive of amazing, um, um, alumni who are now some of the biggest names in design. You're in that and those circles now. So you're inspired right off the bat and you start to see your colleagues, uh, and their, and the resources given them to, to work with manufacturers that are partnering with the school and do prototypes, which is one of the biggest things that are that's really hard to, to do, to work towards having a, a finished prototype that's going to be shown at a design graduation show that's part of one of the biggest design weeks, Dutch Design Week in the world. And then on top of that, you have all this media that's chasing you. So that kind of exposure, imagine first year student, by the time you're, you're done with four years, you're in a whole nother place. Mm-hmm. And it's all about your work. If you look at our, our design books, Design is Human, which is our publication, you look at that Dutch, that Dutch uh, look at Einhold Academy in the design school section, you'll see um, students wearing like utility um, work, work suits. I mean, no one's in suit and ties, and they're being in who they are, but you look at their, their, uh, their briefs on their, on their work, it's intense. The amount of study, the amount of research, that's what manufacturers are looking for. So they are, they are competing with you, but they have such a stronger, stronger skill set because of what they've been exposed to and, their, and, their, and through their presentation. You have to make some tough decisions about your school choice. What you're, and, and I think knowing what you don't know is helpful, too, you know. Mm. And then just hopefully making the right decision to find the right school that fits who you are is going to give you that independence to really be a, a, uh, a conceptual thinker and grow your own ideas, not copy, but really 
explore things and let that be a study that becomes a product or service. I'm going to ask you a pretty tough question and you can choose the answer yeah. or not, but do you feel like young black designers, young black creatives are in their own way? No, I don't, I don't, I don't really, uh, I don't really see that because I, I know a lot of young designers, black designers in Atlanta across all disciplines. If I think about like new media, IT, uh, graphic design, uh, very strong talent pool that's in Atlanta. But what I, what I see again is they don't elevate themselves to reach that full potential of accessibility to the marketplace. Mm. Uh, because again, they're not exposed. Atlanta's never had a design fair. Uh, Milan Design Week is probably 70 years old. Yeah. So you have this, this community that, that, that's deep in culture. You look at Atlanta, really what we're doing is the closest thing you get to a design fair. So I don't really, I don't really, uh, I'm not, I don't go hard on, say, the lack of exposure, because I understand that's what it is. Yeah. If they were, the thing is, once you, once you have a design fair, now there's no excuses not to elevate your game and, mm -hmm. and show, show conceptual work, work with manufacturers, knock on their doors, try to get them to, to partner with you, to um, use their product in an innovative way around what your idea is, and to showcase that at the design week. Those are the things that you would be doing as a designer to get your work out there, not on your dime in terms of, in terms of cost, on the manufacturer's dime being a partner with you. Mm. you know? So those are the things that you do. And say if, if, if you can't do that, at least through, um, through uh, technology, do something that you can show a new way to solve a problem. And then that can get exposure at a design week as well. If it's if it's strong enough, so there's really there's really no excuses once you have some infrastructure to uh, project who you are as a designer. Now, if you're not doing that, you really can't complain because I kind of feel like I'm I'm all about competition. I'm more than happy to bring someone from from Design Academy Eindhoven to the states and show the students work because it's it's so strong versus just giving someone locally a handicap because you're in Atlanta, but you do crappy design, you know, but if that, if that competition is going to make you a better designer, we need to have competition. Mm. Mm. So I'm taking no prisoners. I want to, I want to show the best work. Now, if you are based in Atlanta and black or white, doesn't matter. Yeah. And if you're trying to evolve, we pay attention to that individual too. And may give some guidance there, or maybe may let them show work, you know, uh, on the on the um, promise that they have potential, and we want to see it continue to evolve, you know. And we've done that many times with Atlanta designers, mm. you know, young designers. And then what sometimes what happen on on the on the downside is that they get the opportunity, and usually usually we don't charge them anything, and we're hoping that man, this person is so talented. Let's give them this, this shot. And then they take it because there's, there's no cost and they show their, their project. And then the next year they disappear. 
Yeah. Why do you think that so, is? <laughs> they don't understand the business. Mm. They don't understand the business. This it's that simple. Uh, and I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm really happy to, to subsidize a young designer that we think has promise. All we ask is that you keep evolving your studio and come back even stronger the next, the next year. You know, that's all we're looking for you to be successful because if you're successful, that gives us more, more, um, more opportunity to see Atlanta, Atlanta, be, you know, to really grow. Uh, but, uh, if you don't understand the business and you take it as a freebie because you're excited, you did a, your first project is kind of getting a lot of buzz around it. So here's, here comes the festival and they, they want me to showcase and I'll do it. That's, that's an aesthetic to a certain degree because you're only taking the opportunity because it was given to you and it doesn't cost you anything. But if you're really a serious business person as a designer, you're looking at this is your future. You're going to say, this is a launch for me. Hmm. You see? But again, it goes back to culture, exposure. Yeah. You're not exposed to this, so you don't know how to treat it as a, as a, a great opportunity that you're going to build on. So you, you go back, and a year later, the person's vanished. So, no one's looking at them now, you know? So I feel like it's a fine segue into the Ma brand and Atlanta Design Festival uh, in tandem to see you know, where do you think we stand right now? And I say we just as a broader Atlanta community, Atlanta culture and building that infrastructure of exposure. Where do you think we stand mm-hmm. on this on the spectrum? If 100 percent, we all know that 100 percent is not, you know, the needle always moves. The goalpost always moves if you're doing it right. But where do you think we stand right now? If there's any. This is this is the best way I, I can address because there's, there's there's different levels to address this. But. This is this is this is what what I would say. Atlanta as a city. Let's let's contrast cities that have a design economy. Um, London, Milan, Paris, um, Tokyo, South Korea as a country. Well, I guess you say Seoul, um, New York. Uh, more lately, Miami. They have design, design, design economies. Um, London's contribution to design, and this is a number, it's kind of a rough number, but let's say their annual contribution to all the disciplines, direct and indirectly. Indirectly means uh, someone places an order for an order of Herman Miller chairs, and those chairs have to be transported. So that driver is indirectly involved in the design economy. So let's say London, London's annual design economy is, at ten billion dollars, okay. Mm-hmm. Now you look at what Atlantis is compared to that. It's it's a fraction of that. So that that says a lot about how you're positioned, you know. And that's the best way I, I can answer that. Is that we have a lot of work to do. Uh, now, who loses in this? Um, the city is vulnerable because um, we're not investing in decision making through design. Um, the uh, consumer loses. Uh, you don't have as many strong options um, in terms of uh, uh, products, services. Mm. Um, innovation loses 
Uh, we don't innovate as much uh, because there's, again, the design economy is not as vibrant as it is in these cities that do. Uh, you look at your built environment, uh, you don't see uh, as much world-class architecture that's popping up uh, that uh, the world would be excited about coming out of Atlanta. There's so many, there's so many detriments to not having a vibrant design economy that's, that, uh, that's invested. Mm. You know, um, yeah, I kind of see the uh, like the three-headed monster there of like, you know, with any with any economy, right? With any subsector, there's the public sector of government, their buy-in. There's private sector of individual companies, their brands leading the charge, and there's the people that are actually yeah. talking about it. And it's almost like, you know, I've I have a pretty strong opinion that I would prefer for it to come from private sector first, just because government moves too right. slow. To too slow to me. Right. Uh, but I also recognize that some of the challenges you look at something like transportation. I take Marta every day or every, yeah, every day that I go into the office and that's usually how I get around. And it's only because I live at one, like literally not too far from one of the stations and work not too far from the other station. And I think that transportation is such a big, big problem. If, if you look at the, the growth rate here in the, in the city, you look at things like, all right, where are people urban sprawl and then urban come back, coming back to the city now as the trend. Immediately, everybody's eyes, maybe it's a Southern thing. Maybe it's just an Atlanta thing. Everybody's eyes looks towards city hall and it's like, hey, what are we going to do? Like, I know Marta just had this huge, huge vote about the expansion plan and where the investment dollars go. Who do you think is leading that charge in the private sector? Because I think that's what gets kids yeah. What I can, what I can, what I can do for you in, in terms of answering this, I'll give you um, examples in terms of a, a vision. Yeah. Uh, so let's look at let's look at the uh, transportation model, which is a very important topic around uh, design. Um, trans- public transportation is uh, is um, crucial. It's crucial to any um, city, and imagine. Let's say a modern station, where it becomes a herb, uh, a uh, not a herb, a hub for commerce. So when you're at the when you're at the the planning board talking about this this next station, it'll grow from. Okay, it's a station to move people from A to B to less embrace commerce in a way like we've never seen before. So now you start to open up where people will actually um, have a, a destination where you're connecting A and B, but in between, you're slowing down where you take in more of the city's offering. So that, that station could embrace restaurants. It could embrace quality shopping. It could embrace, um, it could be bike stations there. It could be used for say, the design festival as a locale for a venue. So you really have to look at those decisions around where, how do we do MATA in terms of let's, take the, let's get the uh, most out of these, these stations that will embrace people coming together. And London has a strong uh, knack for doing that. When they do a station, it's bustling with activity. And what that does, you start to see people 
they're spending more money. The city's collecting more revenue. And hopefully the quality of life will start to improve. And then you said, we can, let's do this at the next station. So you, you really start to connect people with cities more, you know, and you don't take, you don't take real estate for granted. You look at every, every opportunity to do something that's outstanding. And I think that's the, that's how you have to look at this. It really becomes everything is a design decision. It really is. And if you think about even, even from say, say modern, look at the graphic design. The graphic design really has a life of its own too, because if you're really doing strong wayfinding, uh, if you're archiving, say, how things evolve, which font you're using, who you work with in terms of designers to grow the modern branding, and that's, arch- 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 that's archived in a certain way, what you, what you will get is, say, 20 years down the road, you can pull up those archives and say, let's do merchandise now around this, this strong archive that we have. So you're recycling all of that, all, all of that investment in, to merchandise, which, again, you're recycling. So it, that brings in revenue, too. You know, you can see yourself modern. It could be a Nike modern shoe designed by XYZ. That's a commission piece. You know, so modern starts to stand on his own light because it's a, it's a, um, seen as a design influencer. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, it's funny. I literally, uh, one of my best friends will be listening to this show. I mean, among other people, and we literally had this conversation about three or four months ago of just sparking the, and this, it goes much deeper, which I, if you have a second, I'm going to kind of go my, yeah. on my soapbox about it. Because like I said, yeah. I ride Mart every day out of convenience. And then also it's like my own human study every morning. It's like right. a sociology study. And I studied economics <laughs> in undergrad and yeah. that's my basis. And I realized that, Hmm, Economics actually isn't so detached from design as people want, no. it, want it to be. And then when it comes... <laughs> Not at all. And then I love the fact that... All right, so here, here's why I brought up the whole where's the best place to reach out to people of color because I'm seeing a trend that I don't like and that I'm actively working to change, uh, starting with, yeah. the, with the podcast. And, the, and I don't like to call it just a podcast, which I always say at the beginning is... It's really right. just a project and it evolves with the purpose of saying, hey, because like you said, design is really the biggest decision of building a city, building a community, yeah. building a brand. I'm seeing that as you talk about the natural thought of, hey, around martyr stations, we'll have shops, we'll have this, we'll have that, we'll have that. Really what it ends up being is it's a little uh, inclusive and it excludes different colors. You look at something like the Beltline, and it mm-hmm. brings up this controversial topic we, we can probably talk about all day of gentrification, but mm-hmm. understanding how real estate investment works, I get it from a business perspective, but yeah. understanding behavioral economics and understanding community, I hate to see it happen because yeah. what ends up happening is you have, as soon as there's a Lululemon, Chipotle, a Starbucks mm-hmm. and a Whole Foods, that whole community is a wrap for inclusion. And I'm wondering how we can, and this is a topic that will probably continue. I want to continue it online and offline with you. Yeah. How we can start this conversation about who needs to be at the table, 
where is the table? I think that's the first question of people right. like me who kind of see it happening and we know what the hell is going on and we know what ideas we want to bring. But where is the table, number one? And number two, who else is sitting there that we can kind of rally with? That's a good question. Um, where is the table? The table? I guess the table starts with you. You have to look at how you can change just how you navigate the city, what you project about your work. Say in, in, in politics, that's a different thing. Uh, you have to have visionaries who really, under, you got to understand that this, this whole thing of design economy is really very fresh, say, Southeast. And I would say even across the U.S., if you consider this, for example, New York City has, they've had a design week for years, the ICFF fair, which has been going on for, for many, many years. Mm-hmm. That's, that's sort of um, warped into a design week now. Um, design fair, ICFF now, there's, there's more of a New York design week that's going on. But if you consider what London, London has a, something that's called a design council. The design council is an authority that's sanctioned by, by the, um, the government. And it's, it's just, I think it's been around since the 1950s. Um, but it's, its role has become more prominent of late. But one of its, one of its, 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 its roles is to really influence design, design's impact on the UK's economy. So the, the design economy study, it was my first time really hearing that, that, that term. It was through the Design Council's commission um, on, the, on UK designing the design economy. And that opened my eyes to, to the, the economics. So I say this to say that you have to, the city has to have a vision uh, where they know that design is going to have a positive impact on, on the city's future in terms of um, quality of life, obviously in terms of revenue, growth, in terms of um, the status of Atlanta globally as well. Um, and until you really have that, because, you know, say what we do with Ma on our end, it's, it's, it's only limited by what the city will allow us to do. Mm. And also what the city recognizes in terms of value. If the city doesn't really understand or, or value design as a, a commodity uh, that they can import, uh, export, um, then it's really hard to um, sort of leap, leapfrog into the next big thing that we could be doing. So I would say that in politics, we need visionaries that really, really make themselves push themselves to understand what is the design economy, uh, how does Atlanta benefit from it, uh, how much more should they be doing to invest in it, mm. to invest the right way. And all this is out, and, 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 and with all of this, it really is about doing it smart and doing it um, very deliberately where you're doing outstanding work that's, that's world-class. And that's, that's what my is. We really want to do work that anywhere in the world you would appreciate what we're doing in terms of our output you know uh but the individual you really just gotta just do great work and then you again you know you have a you have atlanta design festival do something that's conceptual 
And a good example, why wouldn't a graphic designer say, I want to do a, a study, a research project where I will redesign the Atlanta driver's license. Mm. Okay. Now, what that, what, what that might mean is that you say you, you redesign this vision for Atlanta's driver's license, you know, and say it's just a beautiful, minimalist piece of work that, you know, that you could show on design, design boom, and they're looking at it. And then you showcase it at, at Ma. That exposure will, you know, if it reaches the right people, they're talking about your work, your local Atlanta, you, you, you've taken the time to do this, 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 this concept around uh, a new branded driver's license. And now maybe it gets to the city. And they say, hey, I want to commission you to do our next series of licenses. Yeah. You see, that's what, that's the connection. Yeah. No one's done this sort of thing. But in, 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 in Europe, there's several examples where cities have rebranded their passports. I mean, not cities, countries, rebranded passports or other things. So, you know, this is nothing new, but that's what you, that's how you, as an individual, you start to change the conversation. Now, uh, if you just tend, okay, um, you know, that's not who you are, then, okay, you have to find a way to find your success. But if you're really about your designer and you want to get out there, Atlanta is the perfect opportunity because no one's done it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Literally, I talk about, I talk to my, uh, one of my best friends and several of my friends about the same thing because I think a lot of us, you know, my background is, creative background started in music and yeah. then it led to uh, economics, studying economics undergrad, just getting that educational like purpose, right? Yeah. And then yeah. it's led back into like software design. So that's what I do now. Yeah. And yeah. I think deep down, all of us want that, you know, we, the experience we enjoy the most is not so much in graphics and digital. We enjoy, yeah. and this is just my, my little tribe of people, maybe bigger than that, but we enjoy physical product. We enjoy physical space. We enjoy... Yeah. Uh, that experience, right? And that's to the, yeah. to us. That's that net upper echelon of, all right, what we're doing seems homemade almost in in, yeah. in the eyes of what we aspire to do, like the skill to match the taste, right? Um, right? Which we're getting through. So I think a lot of us go back and forth, like, damn, like maybe I should just move the hell out of Atlanta and like go somewhere like Montreal where it's already established, and then I can kind of do that. And then immediately we snap out of it, which is why I'm still here. I started this. We will talk about it all the time to say, you know what, man, like, because we ask the question in, in our terms. I mean, I'm 25 and most of my friends are under 30 uh, mm -hmm. that I talk to this about. And we're always like, damn, who is who's the Virgil Abloh? Who is the Justin Saunders runs a blog out of Montreal and turned it into designs to who's mm -hmm. the Kanye West or whatever. And these are all pop culture figures, but these are our heroes. Right. Growing up. Um, right who are these people in the city that look like us or at least have a similar taste to us? And then we end up saying, fuck, there's nobody here that we know of. <laughs> what you see, what you have to do yeah. is you really have to look at, look at the rest of the world, mm -hmm. see what your contemporaries are doing. Let's say if you're an illustrator and you do animation, one of the things that I really would like to see our, our brand have is a strong animation um, where if we're doing a, a, a feature, a video, uh, the, the opening intro has a strong animation element to it. 
and closing. Even in between transitions, there's there's a graphic that's branded. Um, and I can look at, say, the Dutch. If you if you were to Google um, these Dutch Dutch profiles, it's a series of short films on design in Holland. It's very strong. And um, I was like, wow, this is incredible. The, just the graphics within the uh, video, how it's, how it's done. It's a signature. It's tied to branding. Um, now, say if you were to do that, you're an, animation, you're an animator, illustrator. You guys work as a team, and you do something that's conceptual. You say, let's show this at the design festival. Right there, you're making a, you're making a step forward. Because now you're exposing your work to a wider audience. Mm-hmm. And design festival, we got to think about. You're looking at people that are looking. The consumers are looking for something. Uh, manufacturing maybe looking for something. Um, uh, all visitors, visitors from all walks of life are attending design festivals, looking for something to be informed. Something. That's the perfect marketing um, setup for any designer to showcase work. You know, so. I would I would say that at least once a year you have to make it your issue to show at the festival mm. to get your work out there, you know, and preferably something that's that's conceptual to show your sense your ability to do research to tie it into something that's conceptual that has a story behind it and a a benefit and, and value. If you're doing those things now, you're talking about confidence building. The more you expose your ideas to the world, the more you are confident and you will, you will just inherently just make the next step turns of, as a business where you need to be going, where you need to be knocking on the manufacturer's door, say, hey, look at this work. I think this is right for you or whatever, or them finding you. you know. Atlanta doesn't have that kind of vibrancy in terms of drive from our young designers mm. to take advantage of the, of the design festival and really just own it. Whoever does it first, I mean, and consistent, they will start to have confidence and really will, I would say, will own the city. You know? Man. <laughs> no one's quite grasped it yet. You know, we, uh, we have a designer, uh, product designer, his name is Chris Hardy. You should definitely podcast him too yeah uh, he's actually doing it he's doing it he's a uh, he's worked with uh, design within reach uh, has commissioned him on several projects and he's worked with some other big brands too uh, he's based in Georgia Atlanta he's international so we do have that that talent that's that's locally but also, also if you look at say someone like um, um, Todd Bursch Todd Bursch is the architect uh, with HOK. HOK is a big global studio where they have offices in London and other other uh, uh, corners of the world. Uh, the Atlanta office is responsible for the whole Porsche headquarters and and that campus. Mm-hmm. So I remember him speaking a couple. I think it was two years ago at the uh, at the festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's someone that would uh, uh, could, could demonstrate this 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 level that Atlanta needs more and more of, you know, uh, cars also responsible for the Mercedes Benz stadium as well. Yeah. You know, so 
there's a chance, you know, young designers showcasing. Todd could be in the festival, sees the work, likes what he's doing. I want to work with you, you know. Mm. Or I can make an introduction, you know, at the festival. That's, but that's the whole networking element of the festival. I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. You know, you know, young designers, talent, young designers, um, it's really, they have the opportunity now. There's no excuses now. Either you don't know what this is about, and I can appreciate that. You're not exposed to it. Um, but if you're starting to hear the message and you're more curious about it, then you should investigate it more, you know? Mm. Man, I, I, I'm I, so enthralled in this conversation. and I, I, this, is, this is one of the first episodes where it's like, I can see us go- talking on and on and on. I mean, I don't want to discredit everybody yeah. else, right? Because we've done yeah. several, several awesome guests, and I because I know because I know what this is about. <laughs> I know what this is about from from a uh, from a manufacturer who's trying to sell products. Uh, you create a tour of architecture. You have visitors. A lot of a lot of times, um, our visitors from the tour uh, they end up commissioning architects to design their homes. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the 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 economics of that times however numbers homes that are new that are being built around the tour? Hmm. It's in the hundreds of millions. That's the impact of that tour. You know, in terms of uh, you know design fees, uh, buying land, uh, demolition, uh, materials, interior materials. Uh, uh, Cladding systems, window systems, uh, uh, transporting. Imagine that that tour is about all those elements of commerce. Mm. So I understand it from that perspective. You know, owning a tour where now manufacturers have a chance to show their products in a in a way that will um, be attracted to uh, visitors. Some of these will end up buying homes or looking for new products for their homes. Uh, to um, um, having a design expo trade fair where now you have a floor, you can come showcase your products. That's a whole nother element of commerce uh, involved to um, even showing films uh, for the cultural side of design to embrace this celebration. There's so many elements to what we do that's around the economics of design, you know, and how can you not appreciate what that does to the city of Atlanta? And as, as the fair gets bigger, it really will, it will probably reflect Atlanta's growth and change too. The more this, the more this fair grows, you will probably see a, a lot of change happening in that, in that city because now design is driving a lot of the decision-making. Yeah. You, will, you will actually see change. The bigger this thing gets, the more relevant design will be. I, I love, and I'm reminded, and I only have one more question after this, but I'm reminded yeah. of, uh, again, two, a year ago or the year before that, I was listening to one of the panels at the festival, and I'll never, I, be, I think it was you. I'm not sure. I think it was you or someone else that stood up and talked about, uh, I don't know if you, the corner of like Ivan Allen and Marietta. That th- that that byway, if you will, <laughs> and there was what was it was what was the 
Yeah, t- tell me, tell me. It was talking about that hotel that they built right at that corner. Oh, that was me. <laughs> yeah, th- I thought that was you. I was like, damn, this yeah. guy understands. Because this is one of the most, in- and hell, I'm basically repeating what you said, but for the audience, you were saying, basically, this is one of the most important thoroughfares in the city. Yeah. It's an entry yeah. point into downtown, the area of business, yeah. and it's an exit point into uh like more residential area what's gonna be a growing west side but you put a, yeah. a fucking box at the corner right here that is closed off from the rest of the area and now even you- even worse you look at the look at the uh what see what what got me was i saw it when it was it was being built yeah so what i what i saw my impression uh, was that i saw okay it wasn't the structure wasn't concrete it was two by four mm-hmm you know, that's, that's the cheapest, you think, you think about a, you know, that particular lot of land, the size of that building two by four <laughs> wood, I mean, wood structure. Yeah. You're not trying to build that, for the future. That, dude, dude, I'm telling you, that is so like, it's unbelievable because if that was in any other city that has a design, a strong design economy, that wouldn't get built. Um, it would be concrete, poor concrete. Yeah. For what, sure. What do you so think that about was, that, that? That see, that's what caught me was like, oh my god, look at this. And then, 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 it, then it started to settle in. Then I realized that where's the infrastructure for commerce? Yeah. So the city basically somebody owned that land. The city signed off on, on, on all of the documents, whatever, you know, to, for them to build. Mm-hmm. And they didn't even look at the big picture. There's, <laughs> for, see, for me, I'm like, I couldn't allow that to happen. Because first of all, every, every piece of real estate in this city, especially in the center, is so precious. Yeah. We have to do what's right by it. You know? Absolutely. That means wide, wide sidewalks where there's, there's uh, outside cafes. There's uh, encourage a certain level of of quality retail um, that's going to be sustainable. Um, you really have to look at it as that corridor. You have the, the what's that the uh, World Coca Cola. You have all those all those landmarks. That that corridor, and I I pass that place was, every single day. Yeah, man, <laughs> you should hold your head down. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? And that the new I one. I can't believe it. The new one is over there at the corner of 17th and Northside at the top of that hill uh, yeah. where the Ikea is. And, like over, and I can't believe what they yeah, built over yeah, there. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's crazy. But I, I do want to uh, keep in mind just the time here. I mean, I, obviously, we can go on and forget. Hell, we might even record another one down the line yeah. maybe as we grow closer yeah. to the, the next year's festival. But yeah. I, I have one more question. And you know, what would you yeah. say to – it's the same one I ask everyone is what would you say to the 17-year-old – version of yourself <laughs> uh man i would say i would say um see the world as soon as you can experience i was not see it but experience the world the sooner the better and forget everything that you learned this is a whole new chapter you're going into now this is your your the rest of your life and it's all about getting a strong strong uh, found foundation for who you are and what what drives you so that would be my um and just take it from there i love it man i love it how how can yeah. people still interact with 
you and the brand of Ma and Atlanta Design Festival, whether they live in Atlanta or not, because people are listening, you know, not just here. Uh, we have social media. Uh, we have a face, Facebook, uh, Instagram. Uh, that's that's managed by our uh, PR here in London, October yeah. Communications. And uh, really just come to the events. I'm usually around uh, uh, that time of the year, and I'm pretty easy, easily approachable. I do meet a lot of young young people that have a lot of questions. I think it's great. What I would depart with is just really elevate your game. Elevation. Uh, if you don't, if 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 you don't know something, uh, it's okay. Recognize that you don't know it. And try to get answers. Just be elevated. Thank you once again for tuning in. Like I said, a wonderful hometown episode. I love what Atlanta's future is looking like, and I love the opportunity to be a part of that. Not just by helping the next person, but understanding what it takes and what problems are there to be solved, not for selfish reasons, but really for impactful reasons. So if you're on that same journey, if you're on that same train and you're self-taught, or if you feel like you missed the boat, keep on tuning in with us, keep on interacting with us, keep on aligning with what we're doing and staying connected. Because what that means in the long run is that we're all moving the needle. We're all pushing the envelope. And that's what I like to see. That's what I want. Not for me, but for everyone. Since we keep on moving, continue to tune in. Keep up with us. Instagram.com backslash forward slash one of those two at edu.guest. Peace.